You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you're challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may have been unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here along with my co-host India Jackson and a guest to get the dialogue going. Good morning, ma'am. Good morning. I am not going to say how are you because nobody needs to hear about me over here struggling on my my kidney issues, but that's okay. I promise y'all I'm still here. I'm good. I'm fine. The show goes on, right? Yes. Yes, it does. And just so y'all know, as a black person in America, I did rest this week. I did not try to push through. I'm setting that example. So I just felt like I had to park that there too. Just so y'all know. Yeah, an important example, because I think often we can believe that we're not allowed to rest when we're not feeling well. Correct. And so sometimes we don't have the space to do so, truthfully. It's just mm -hmm. not there. Exactly. And so it's important to me when you don't have to feed into those old stories to acknowledge that even in small ways, when you can break the cycle, it's a powerful, powerful thing to do. So today... (laughs) I'm actually really excited to have this conversation because anytime I have an opportunity to go into what I think is the cornerstone of how a lot of business is done and to really just give it the big old middle finger, I'm like, here you go, take this. So (laughs) I think going into some of, you know, what can be considered office politics and really just kind of like calling bullshit on it. And just digging through it and being like, nope, throw all this away. It's all fuck shit. Don't believe it. Please don't. That's what I'm here for. Same. I mean, I think that it's a conversation we've wanted to have for a while because not all of our listeners are business owners. And many of them, especially our brown listeners, you know, are working for other companies and are climbing the corporate ladder. And there's a lot of just plain, as our guest is going to say, bullshit that they have to deal with on the way of that journey. 
And even once you choose that you don't or you don't have to, you know, be in the corporate environment anymore and you start your own, it's still a deprogramming to no longer operate in that paradigm anymore. So really being able to recognize it, again, calling it out for what it is and being able to really step into something new, that's a whole act of rebellion in itself. So without further ado, I am super excited to introduce Jeff Harry. You're gonna make me read the bio, huh? <laughs> come, on, come on, man. I'm I'm broken dead right now. I need you to help me out. Work with work with me. Okay, okay. <laughs> Jeff Harry combines positive psychology and play to help teams, organizations, etc., navigate difficult conversations and assist individuals in addressing their biggest challenges through embracing a play-oriented approach to work. For his work, Jeff was selected by Bamboo HR and Engagely as one of the top 100 human resource influencers of 2020. What a year that was to do that as well. And has been featured in the New York Times, Mashable, Upworthy, and Shondaland. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook. He didn't work with everybody else. Helping their staff to infuse more play into the day to day. Welcome, welcome, Jeff. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm amped about this. Let's get into some office politics bullshit. You just wanted to say bullshit. That's all that was. (laughs) I did. I did. Oh, my goodness. I could talk about this forever. So before we get started, I would love for you to take a second in your own words, just kind of tell everybody a little bit about you and your motivation, because bios tell us, you know, points of interest and this is who I've been with. And it's like, tell us about Jeff, you know, the person that's like, I'm disrupting all of this because if those of you that don't know him, I highly suggest you go check him out on like TikTok and Instagram because he will call bullshit in a second and he does it in the most hilarious way. So I would love for you to give a little bit of context and just how you show up. Sure. So my father's from St. Vincent off the coast of Barbados, Caribbean Island. Um, and my mom's from the Philippines. Um, and they met in the coldest place in America, which is Minnesota. Um, he was a, the attending doctor and she was the nurse on call. And, and then I grew up in like a hella white suburb in this Chicago. So, um, and I realized that I didn't want to be cool. It took, it was so exhausting to be cool. Um, especially as just a Brown boy, like a black, you know, you know, Filipino that people just didn't understand who I was. They thought I was Indian. Right. So okay. I would just hang out in my basement and make up games. And then anyone that didn't want to be cool would come to my basement. We would just hang out and, and, and make up games, basically. And I realized that what I was doing was I was creating the safe space for people to be who they are. Right. And what's ironic um, is that is actually what I do now. Like, you know, quick is I wrote, um, Toy companies when I was in third grade, I kept writing them, and then I eventually got into the toy industry. I realized how toxic it was. I left that. I came to the Bay Area. I built like one of the largest like Lego-inspired STEM organizations in the country, but I did it all by just playing. I had no idea what we were doing. We were just making it up as we went along, but we were just 
testing things out and we were just hiring people that we thought were really fun and amazing. Um, and then I eventually got the attention, our organization got so huge that we got the attention of like Facebook, Google, all those companies that you mentioned. And then I ended up running team building events for them for like the next like decade. Right. But the whole time, and this is where the bullshit comes in the whole time. These are considered the top companies. They would claim you know, that they're being disruptive and they're taking risks and they're creating an authentic place for people to hang out. And they weren't doing any of that. So like I, I left my Lego stuff and I created Rediscover Your Play basically to call out the bullshit, to lift the veil, right? And, and start to create psychologically safe workspaces where people could actually be themselves, where they could actually like really do the work that they were meant to do and not just, you know, code switch all the time. Mm. You said a powerful word there, which is code switch. And for those that don't know what that is, I'm going to tell you to do your own research, but just on the surface level, it's you essentially having to assume the easiest, most palatable version of yourself Mm -hmm. in order to get through a situation. And it sucks. And for a lot of us, I think that you don't even recognize that it's a thing anymore because it can become survival sometimes. Right. Right. And, and, and this is the thing I, you know, I, I make a lot of videos, both funny ones and then, you know, ones that just cut to the core. And the one that I just made today was like about corporate shaming. There's so much like gaslighting and corporate shaming that's happening right now. There was like an article that came out from like Forbes of all places, of course, where they were like, studies show people working from home are having sex, dating, taking naps and doing side hustles on company time. And there's so many articles like this coming out. And I'm like, is this the strategy? Like, is this the strategy that companies are going to do where they're going to shame their staff into being like, well, if you can come, if you can go to a restaurant, then you can come into the office. Like, why would they think Mm -hmm. a strategy like this works? And then even deeper, what the gaslighting that, that I've been finding, you know, this guy, Dan Price pointed this out recently, like, you know, American Airlines, I think last year canceled like a hundred flights. And when they asked, them why they said oh it's due to the labor shortage and also due to turbulence right just like these reasons and it was like that's kind of weird and then he he looked back and he found out that american airlines got 5.8 billion dollars of bailout money last year and then cut 19,000 jobs so the labor shortage they're struggling with is their own labor shortage they created so there's so many companies that like furloughed or laid people off and then are now like where's everybody everyone's lazy no one wants to come back to work and it's like dude you created this shit (laughs) and now you're you're trying to tell us we're the problem like this is happening so much and that's why i just feel like i need to call it out man See, this is the problem. Once you recognize that it's not only trash, but then it's convoluted trash that mm-hmm. they created and then they burned it and they looked at you like, you did this. Uh, uh, what? Yeah. I, I, I didn't know such thing. You did this. Right, right. You created and, this mess. And an and, uh, uh, article I just wrote was, you know, about how this is going to be the largest migration of corporate workers out of the out of corporate America that we've seen since the Great Depression. Like, I don't think a lot of industries are prepared for how badly so many 
people want to leave. And, you know, I, I kind of connected it to Naomi Osaka when she left the French Open, right? She like walked away from millions of dollars for her mental health. Like she represents a whole generation of people that are prioritizing their mental health over money, right? And I don't think like, so it's funny, Gen Zers are almost leading the way and, you know, guiding millennials and Gen Xers and everyone else to be like, well, I'm not going to take that. I'm just going to walk away and find another job. Right. And, and employers are not ready for this, dude. They are just not ready for like this new labor movement that's coming about, you know, and, and an example of that is like in April, 4 million people quit their jobs, not having other jobs to go to some of them. Many of them quit their jobs, believing they would find better work somewhere else. So like the signs are there, the canaries in the coal mine are there and companies are just pretending like, let's get back to normal. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned it because I think a lot of these companies are just very much like, this is how this works. Mm-hmm. You are going to do it this way mm-hmm. and and that's it. There's no alternatives. And when we think about the future of being employed, by, you know, larger companies or corporations or just not being self-employed. You know, when we think about what professionalism looks like going forward, like, where is this going? Because it's really clear that what it was is not coming back. First of all, I am not nostalgic for that, for anybody, because it was very unhealthy. And Naomi Osaka is a great example of somebody saying that there is no amount of money that you can pay me Mm -hmm. that is going to be enough for me to be broken when this is done. Exactly. So like, like what, like where, what, what, what happens? What happens? So, so what I believe is going to happen is that there's going to be like a divergence, right? Like, like companies are at a crossroads where they either can go the Amazon route and the Amazon route is the route. I think an article just came out that Amazon's warehouse workers, it's 150% turnover there. And it's just like, well, how is that even possible? That means that they l- turn over more people in a year than they actually hire. But because they, because some people quit within days of working there. My, my <laughs> nephew is actually works the night shift there now. And he's like, it is so exploitive. They treat us like, like, like robots. And there's so many videos out on TikTok and Instagram just showing how it it's like modern day slavery in some ways. It's just dangerous and scary. Oh, and I can get into that whole come back. I'll come back to that part. But so, so companies are there at the crossroads where they're going to go the Amazon route, right? Where it's this boomer approach of like my way or the highway. I got hazed and treated badly. So you're going to get hazed and treated badly. Right. And those companies are going to do what they're going to do. And most of them, or many of them are, in my opinion, are going to become like blockbuster. They're just going to become irrelevant. Mm. More people are going to leave them. They're going to become like Sears and other of these companies that just become like antiquated old and within a decade they either are not around or they're just not as relevant right like they're like marshall's or some other company that you're like <laughs> oh they're still around i didn't even know oh tivo's still here you know right oh, so God. you're gonna have you're gonna have companies like that and then you're gonna have other ones like you know um Tony Shea Zappos or Dan Price with Gravity Games. That guy back in 2016 paid his staff. The minimum salary at Gravity Payments was $70,000 a year. And all these people mocked him for doing that. They were like, you're going to be broke. And instead, his profits 
profits soared during the pandemic. Many people were willing to like take pay cuts. He took a massive pay cut, you know, so that they all could keep it, keep it going. And now they're all thriving again. And he's really challenging the status quo by basically posting things on Twitter. Like it's really easy. We asked our staff if they wanted to come back to the office. 60% said they didn't want to come back. They wanted to work from home. Others wanted a hybrid. So guess what we're doing? We're just letting them do whatever they want. This is not hard, right? But companies are making it seem so complicated. Yeah, it's interesting because I've seen a similar thing happening in the beauty industry. I mean, Erica, you've been in that with me and we watched it go from like going to these in-person beauty events for these large makeup brands and department stores and boutiques was like the thing to do back in the day. And we watched that just dwindle down into having like so much top tier talent that are also doing like celebrity red carpet makeup in these stores to slowly losing all of these incredible individuals because Mm. they were tired of being treated like human robots that Mm -hmm. were expected to make ridiculous sales goals in like 24 hours. And, you know, they started to take their talents elsewhere or decide to build something for themselves instead of, you know, being on the hustle wagon. And there's just the culture, um, You know, we watched the culture go from treating these individuals like, you know, they were the star of the day because all of the clients would come to meet them and get their makeup tips by them to slowly evolving into, yeah, we have these sales goals and we got to meet them. And so uh, lunch break is going to be like 20 minutes. I know our event's like 12 hours, but you ain't getting no breaks. And good luck with drinking any water because I can't afford for you to walk away to the bathroom. Wow. Unfortunately, this is where I think people don't always recognize that this type of corporate toxicity, you don't have to work in the corporate office Mm. for this to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Because as somebody that, you know, with like what you mentioned, India, and these beauty brands, like you don't eat, you're on your feet all day, you don't take any breaks, you don't get to drink any water. That is literally against the law and it's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, after having been in the beauty industry, like literally behind the chair for over 20 years, my body will tell me, that I've done it because Mm -hmm. I have to deal with it. And I remember, you know, working in salons that were part of a corporate entity and literally having, you know, clients looking at me weird because I took a lunch break. Mm. And so part of it is the corporate culture that those of us that are working in it have to navigate, but it's also reminding people to not uphold it as the clients as well, Yep. because that's the other side. Right. And it goes so much far beyond the traditional idea of corporate being an office. I mean, I can say for myself, having seen the beauty industry very up close and personal and being a part of it for so long that, you know, we started to see that like, People you knew that were doing this in their 20s, by their mid-30s, everybody had kidney stones. Everybody had it because of dehydrating themselves all day and holding the bathroom all day and just the unique nature of that world. And so you fast forward now to where many of these people are in their 40s and especially during 2020, they started to come out and say, fuck these politics. I don't care how luxury or how big of a name this brand is Mm -hmm. or how, um, 
you know, I'm risking being able to get the next position. I'm going to speak out about my experiences and talk about how this is not fair treatment, how people are being treated like machines or slaves. And this has to change or this industry is going to crumble. Yeah, it's fascinating because there's this great reassessment that happened during the pandemic where all of a sudden all of these, you know, employees and workers saw many of the true colors of their companies, you know, firsthand. They thought they knew, but they didn't realize how replaceable they were. They didn't Mm -hmm. realize like so many companies or so many people that I know that work for Fortune 500 companies weren't kept kept in the loop regarding like what was going on with finances. They didn't know if they were ever going to get laid off. Many got furloughed and then brought back on and, you know, back on and back off. And it was just like they were just treated as if they were like, you know, I don't know, like pawns that they could just play around with. And then even when bailout money came, that money didn't end up in their pockets. You know, it went back to investors or corporations bought back their stock to like up, you know, up their stock. So it's just, it just showed how much their companies did not care for them. And then these companies are forgetting now that they just did that just a year ago. And they're like, why is no one coming back? I don't understand. And I remember this just happened yesterday. I was taking my mom to the bank and there was this huge line out of the bank, you know, in the drive through area. And then we walked up to the door and they had closed the lobby of the bank because like three of the employees didn't show up that day and they couldn't have anyone inside the bank because people were like, I don't want to show up. And then somehow we were able to get in the bank. And when the manager started complaining to us, they were like, yeah, people are just are just lazy. They just don't want to come back to the office. And I was like, no, I don't think you get it. It's you. It's Mm -hmm. you. And it's just like the culture. (laughs) Maybe it's not even you as the manager, but like it's your antiquated boomer mentality that you just expect people to be happy with a job. And it's just like, you're not paying enough for this, right? You know, and also you're not treating people with respect. There's no shared humanity. And really that's where I believe we need to be going. Like if there's not shared humanity, empathy and care and a certain level of emotional EQ that is actually happening from leaders, you're done. In my opinion, I really believe you're done as an organization. You know, it's interesting because uh, Eric and I are located um, in the Baltimore, Washington area. Me specifically, I am right next to Bal- uh, next to Washington, D.C. Um, and you would never think that an area that is so populated, I mean, I believe we're like one of the top five populated or concentrated cities in the U.S., um, that you would see that as things began to open back up from COVID quarantines here, that people were having staffing issues. Nobody wanted to come back and work for companies. Mm -hmm. They were barely working for the companies during um, quarantines and Mm -hmm. would prefer to just collect the unemployment. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I mean, a lot of the stories is when you would be in a long line, the manager would say, yeah, you know, people are lazy or, you know, we just lost a lot of staff or people don't want to come back to work. They just want to collect the unemployment check. And I'm like, I hear you. And what about your culture might have made them not want to come back here? Do they really feel like they belong here? Right. And and you bring up this other good point about the fact that the corporate pyramid is built on such a fragile house of cards that $600 Mm -hmm. a week 
is going to destroy industries? Is that how bad it is that that six hundred dollars? That's like nothing. But that is what's keeping people at home. That's how little you've been paying people. You know that this is this is your issue, and then you're going to blame unemployment and then try to take it away from states as a strategy to get people back. That's just a horrible strategy. <laughs> right. Let's just acknowledge that DC is one of the most expensive cities to live in in the United States. And if unemployment is still more attractive than your minimum wage, which is way too low, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we got that, a problem. And, and that's what I don't understand, because when people are like, oh, they would rather collect un- unemployment, it's because you're not paying enough. So, right. yes, they would rather collect unemployment. But then there's no place of understanding that you are going to sometimes have people that they don't want to work or they just so happen to have taken this job because it was available, not because they wanted it. So that's going to happen, but that's not everyone. And there are a lot of people working jobs that are not safe or conducive environments to be in but what are they going to do because nobody's listening to them right nobody is going to take any of their feedback let alone actually do anything with it so when people are like oh everybody's lazy nobody wants to work there is this point where you have to say is that really the case because unfortunately like i i know someone that is in management in a larger corporation And as much as they will see some of the work habits of people that they're responsible for and they don't care for them When it then comes and turns back around, they then recognize how that same entity will be like, we really care about everyone's well-being, but you better get all these things done and these metrics better be finished. And it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Yep. Yep. And and what's fascinating, I recently saw this tweet where someone said, what what happened to us praising essential workers? When did we turn from praising essential workers to calling them lazy? Right. The people that never got to stop. How quickly did that switch? When did right. that happen? Like, my goodness, dude. Like, is that really what we're doing now? Is this is, right. this, is this is this how we're respecting people? You know, we're, we had all these videos of them, you know, praising them and being like, thank you for your, your service and let's applaud you as we stand outside our homes during lockdown. And now we're all lazy. Like, can I, can I acknowledge that? wrong here. You Nobody know? wanted to work 16, 18 hours to get out to a crowd of people cheering for them please don't clap i am exhausted and you are busting my eardrums this is god awful please stop (laughs) i want to circle back on something real quick because i know we're kind of nearing like the second half of the episode and i'm gonna have to wrap it up soon but as i think about what you were saying a moment ago erica that there are people out there that really do want to continue to work and they're being mistreated or they want to share their feedback and it's just not being listened to you know, they're dealing with the office politics bullshit. You know, what would you say to them, Jeff? Mm. I I think I would say to them a few different things, right? It's first off, I don't want to say it this way, but I'll say it just because I don't have better words yet. But like, do you know your worth? Like, do you know how valuable you are outside of of this company because I I was just speaking to a client the other day that had been at, at her company for like 22 years and she doesn't want to work there anymore because they're trying to force her back into the office and she doesn't know how much talent and how much like people will pay her outside of that company because she's been there so long and she's scared 
to venture out. So that would be, I think, one of the first things. And then second, if you feel like you do have to stay, right, maybe you're at like a city, you know, or state government job, and you're already there. And you're like, I'm just trying to get to the point where I collect my pension, then okay, how can we change this? Like, what, what can we do, you know, as a strategy within the team, I, I once did this for the Department of like Homeland Security, where I was when Trump was in office, it was like, listen, we can't change who's the president at that time, right? But what we can change is what's going on with our team. How do I build allies with in my team? And then how do I start determining what I'm willing to tolerate or what us as a team is willing to tolerate and what we're not willing to tolerate. Because just like anything else, if enough of the team says no, you're going to have you know, the company's going to have to address, like, do we want to have a massive amount of turnover? Turnover is very expensive for companies. Look what happened to Basecamp, right? They lost 33% of their staff in the span of like a few days after their their uh, CEO was like, yeah, you can't talk about uh, politics or societal discussions, oh, you know, when, so when he brought that up. Right. And it was just like, dude, you know, there is power in organizing. And I think a lot of times we forget about that, you know, even as the union busting is always constantly happening. So I think that's one of the first things that we have to address. I think a larger thing worth trying out, and this is something that companies will have to look at um, as a whole and feel how do we want to go forward? How do we want to show up with a certain level of shared humanity and empathy? Because I remember I recently was attending this Whiteness at Work webinar run by, I think, Desiree Ottaway. And she, you know, connect, and I'm sure y'all already know this, but she connected, you know, slavery to how we measure productivity now. Yeah. And how, like, when you looked at slave plantations way back in the day, in the 1800s, right, They some of these plantations were like 3,000 people. So how did you manage that? You had all of these, like, overseers or middle management. And then how did you manage that? You managed them based off their productivity. How many, like, bushels of cotton were they able to pick? Those same productivity metrics are the same ones used now, the same ones. Like they have not changed. And it's like, are we still measuring ourselves in that robotic way? And is that how we want to go going forward? Because like, if that is how we're going to be doing it, then you're going to have a lot more people leaving the corporate world because they aren't robots, they aren't slaves, they don't want to be exploited. And that's how they feel right now. They feel as if they're being taken advantage of all of the time. The interesting thing about what you said is you said something that a lot of people really don't know how to language. They know they feel it. They know it doesn't work. They know they don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. They just don't know what that thing is that's like, ah, I, just, I hate, I don't know why, but I can't do this. Right. And what you said for a lot of people is absolutely the thing. Mm-hmm. And they are also saying 40% of people, I think was, was well, 40% of people are thinking about getting new jobs, right, um, uh, recently. And then I read that I think 60% overall don't want to come back to the workplace, but specifically people of color, it's higher, right? Because they haven't had to code switch as much. They haven't had, like, the amount of extra work you have to do. And then we're not even counting the commute, right? We agree. Think about how crazy this is. We've agreed to get uh, to, to, what is it? Work for one to two hours where we don't get paid. That's our commute. 
Yeah. You know, people are traveling, what is it? I think in your entire lifespan, it's eight years of commuting. You know, they measured that at one point. So it's just like, we agreed to that. And now that we've been working at home, we're like, why did I agree to such a horrible, you know, partnership? This is not even a partnership. I feel exploited right now. Well, and let's be realistic, right? That one hour might be true for some, but if you live in a bigger city, especially mm-hmm. DC, New York, or LA, mm-hmm. that one hour becomes about an hour and a half one yep. way. Yep. That's and three a lot of wear and tear in your car. Right. Which is expensive. It's expensive. And people are presented with an opportunity, a la Maxine Waters, to reclaim their time. And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm not giving it back. I'm not. Yeah, it's been um, eye-opening, you know, having a family member that works in the federal government and a in a leadership position, um, a top leadership position on HR with all the office politics. I mean, you don't get more office politics bullshit than the federal government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And oh, to no, watch them. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, keep going. Keep going. To watch them have to, like, navigate being in the HR department you know, facilitating some of these conversations about coming back to work um, has just been interesting to see at best, you know, and having people debrief that this particular leg of the federal government um, is not okay with doing work from home forever. And at least 50% needs to come back in the actual office. And it's like, but you have people whose children maybe aren't still fully back in school right? or they got used to not having to spend three hours in their car and spending about anywhere between what at this point, Eric is about three to four dollars a gallon on gas mm-hmm. to get to and from work. Exactly. Like, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I was I was speaking to someone the other day that was talking about how he he just joined a video game company that is much more progressive than any, any other one that he's done before, and they had, they were giving their staff Juneteenth off last year. All right, they had been doing it for a while. Like it wasn't like a huge, you know, thing for them. It was just like that was obvious. But the other thing that they were looking at, as well as many of other companies were looking at, was even going to like a four day work week. To sometimes giving like their staff three days off. Like, I think if you want to be, you know, if we're trying to think of where we're going to go or where I believe companies that will thrive in the next, you know, two to three decades, it will be the companies that are, are, considering experimenting with things like that, with the four-day work week, with a six-hour workday, with having their staff work from wherever they want, with, you know, in, with, you know, spending more money so that there can be paternity leave, both from, you know, men, women, you know, and also if you're, you know, you know, you consider yourself transgendered. So like the more stuff that you're willing to actually try out, while all of the antiquated companies that are still trying to you know, relive the 1950s. Um, they're just, they're just going to be obsolete. They might still be around, but like people won't care. And, and what, and I, and in a a TikTok I recently made it, it, I also showed how fragile it is. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, which is this like really popular soccer player, you know, in Europe, you know, he was doing a, a press conference and, there were these Coke bottles in front of him and he doesn't, doesn't have any sugar. So he took the Coke bottles and moved them to the side off the screen. 
Coca-Cola <laughs> lost $4 billion in stock revenue in the yeah. span of an hour, right? That's how fragile these companies are right now. The like, power I, of visibility, seeing somebody. how fragile they are. Right. Seeing somebody that people look up to, like pushing the product off to the side can do that. <laughs> Just right. want to remind you, if you're listening, like there's power in your actions. Absolutely. And this is where I think people are, there are some people that are forgetting and possibly just beginning to wake up to what it is that they hold. But there's a lot of us that are like, wait, so you actually need me, which means I have more power than what I think I do. And it's really about how I'm going to, to wield that. Yes. And, and so in that vein, if there was something that you could say to remind people of that type of energy, that type of responsibility and ownership that they have of what's possible for them. What would you say? I would say, how do you want this company to actually run, right? And then I would actually find your allies and then start challenging the status quo, start challenging your leaders, start asking your employee, for example, why do I need to be back in the office? What work am I not get currently getting done where I need to be back in the office? I need a valid answer for that. Start challenging this, the, the power structure. Um, at Apple, um, a, a large amount of Apple employees wrote a collective letter to Tim Cook explaining why they weren't going to come back to the office. And then he was like, oh, okay, like if there was enough of them. So I think we have to realize there's power in numbers and there's power also in speaking up because when you also speak up, you're giving bravery and permission for other people to speak up as well. Because I think a lot of times when you feel a certain way, they're like, this is not right. I just know this doesn't feel right. And then you say something, you're representing all these people that are like, thank goodness somebody said it. Right. Because right now, this, you know, toxicity survives um, in silence. Right. And the more that we can expose toxicity, the more we can expose bad culture. You know, what did what do they say? Culture is defined by the worst behavior tolerated. So we have to really ask ourselves, what uh, behavior are we willing to tolerate? So. As an employee, I would start challenging the status quo and obviously do it in a way where you like, you know, because you want to make sure you feel safe and you don't feel like you're going to get fired. Right. And that's why you find allies to do it and do it in a professional manner. But start asking those questions of like, why, why are we doing it this way? Why have we always done it this way? Why are we measuring productivity in these ways? What are we doing around mental health to address people's mental health? How are we running meetings in a way where we're checking in with people, you know, um, personally so that we understand what's going on with them before we we expect them to produce at such a high level is it even realistic to expect people to produce at such a high level as we're coming back you know from the you know being in from the post pandemic world right so start challenging that and the more you're willing to challenge it the more you're either going to find out two answers one you don't belong there because they don't care and then that's great because then all of a sudden you're like, good, now I can start figuring out my next job. Or two, ooh, I'm making influence. I'm actually having impact. Things are actually moving and I can actually change this company because they are scared of losing us. And wield that power. Wield that power like she man. Like, let's go. Let's see what you can do 
to because what's the alternative, right? The alternative is we just we just sit back and we just like hate our jobs for the rest of our lives. If the pandemic taught us anything, if five you know five hundred thousand people dying or six hundred thousand people now and like four million worldwide dying doesn't communicate anything to you besides the fact that like we got one life, right? So why am I going to waste it? Why am I? Why will I not challenge the status quo so that I leave this place better than it was when I first arrived? Right. And there's no better time to do that than now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jeff, this has been amazing. And the funny part is, is I'm like, we can continue this conversation. I mean, I'm ready. Like, <laughs> let's go. I, I, you know, let's, I could talk about this all the time. So well, thank you is, so much. Of course. And this is where I, I, I think we'll, we'll definitely figure out how to bring you back because I think what you're saying is important. And I think you're, you're bringing a, a different perspective. And I think it's so beneficial. So for joining us today, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So, India, I think that this conversation really presented some things that people maybe hadn't thought about or maybe hadn't thought was possible for them previously. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, that's the power of having conversations with people who have different perspectives than you. I'm so grateful that we were able to do that. I am so grateful that we have such a beautiful network and have been expanding that and expanding who's in our space in the community and who we're introducing them to as well. Absolutely. And I think underestimating the power of community, like I'm telling you, if, if that's where you are, I'm, I'm here to, to, to convert you. Like community and the opportunity to be in conversation and relationship with others and really being able to hold on to and embrace what's possible, how it can be done differently, how you can break the mold and actually create things that are not only impactful, but are of service to us and who we want to be as humans, not just the work that we want to do, because we don't dream of labor. We dream of fulfillment and joy. And that's what's possible when you are reminded of what you can do. And like Jeff said, your real worth. Absolutely. Um, it's been incredible to see what the community members are doing. Um, we're so grateful to have people like Jeff in our space and, I mean, I think one of the things that stood out for me from today's conversation is, you know, remembering that there's always going to be more opportunities out there. I've been just so amazed to see our community members, individual businesses and brands growing so much that one of the things we've been seeing people post over the last few months has been hiring practices and job announcements. They're hiring and they actually care about who's on their team. Like there are real opportunities in the space to work somewhere else if you're unhappy with the place you're currently working at. Absolutely. So if the things that we've talked about have piqued your interest, you want to be a part of these conversations and you are looking to receive this type of support by those that like you want to do things differently. Come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community come on in the room today. We would love to have you and we want you to be a part of the conversation because you already know it's not complete without you. 
for everyone that listens to us week after week, even if this is your first week, I know you'll be back. And for that, I appreciate you. So I want to remind you that when we're here, we're crossing lines, we're recreating boundaries, we're removing stigmas, and we're creating real change. For all of these things and more, we appreciate you. We love being here, creating the bridge for you to walk over, and creating the change that you want to see. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?